Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Good day and welcome to Extreme Common Sense with your hosts, Trisden and Ray. We hope to leave some of the social polarization behind and dig into the gray area middle of society and politics. When the far left and the far right hate us, we will have succeeded. Hey, back again. Extreme common sense with Tristan and Ray. Yes, sir, yes, sir. If you probably just said in a recorded voice. If you hear me sniffle, it's because I'm fighting the sniffles. That time of year as the seasons change. Not a big, um, I'm not a big antihistamine guy. I really don't take them. Me neither. And also, just so our audience knows, you're also a big Coke fiend. <laughs> there is that. Ray loves Coke. There, there is that. It's a lot of snorting. What are you talking about, Tristan? What are you saying? What are you saying, man? Come on. Can we do the show? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, but before the show, you get a snort or two, right? Hey, is this one of the, I did not. Is, is this one of those shows that we're just flying by the seat of our pants? Yeah, that's exactly what this is. Okay. So last week we had a nice guest, uh, you know, a few organized questions, and this time... Brandon. Yeah, Brandon was here dude. last week. He's good, a good great He's a very guy. intelligent cat. Man, yeah. Love I talking like to Brandon. To and uh, Yeah, fun guy. So in this one, just me and you again. Just chatting it up. Shooting from the hip. Shooting or the lip. The Shooting from the lip. Ah, that's pretty good. <laughs> My wife would certainly <laughs> say I do plenty of that. <laughs> Shooting from the lip. Nice. I got nothing. You got something? We no, can make this no, a five. That's this a, show can be over in five minutes. This is our first five minutes. I minute imagine show? we could find something. Yeah. Well, we've we've got a you know we've got a, a commercial that we've got to do midway. So okay, we cool. have to be on here for a while. Another one of our. But uh, yeah, I, I did actually write down a couple just generic, basic, dumb questions. Sure. Just to sort of. Uh, so I'll tell you the story of what got me into politics real quick because a, a large bit of our show is us talking politics right. and our process. So I will, while you think of yours, I'll tell you my quick story of what got me into politics. Sure. So, and I didn't really realize this and man, maybe there's an argument to be made for how any political policy affects how you view politics. So I was 13 years old, 1993. Uh, have I mentioned that I grew up poor, Ray? I'm not sure that maybe I mentioned once that. once or a thousand times. Okay. So in 1993, I was a 12, 13 year old kid and Bill Clinton instituted with our first or uh, one of our first uh, government windfalls economically. He started some social programs, one of which was a jobs program for poor kids, mm-hmm. which I thought was phenomenal. So in the summertime, instead of selling drugs or whatever poor kids do, you know, with their off time, he had a, a program where the poor kids would go up, you just have some training and then you sort of janitor the schools in the summertime. So you're waxing the floors and, you know, beating out the rugs really? and, That's you know, cool. dust and everything. So yeah, it was, it was really cool. And I and just, the government's paying you. The government is oh, giving, good. so it's the government, the national government program that Clinton instituted. And so I just thought, man, what a cool outside the box thing mm-hmm. that teaches these poor kids you know the the benefit of working for a living sure. like and i don't know that uh, the republicans may say well i don't want to pay for that but they can't argue the merit of teaching these kids Absolutely. who are generationally poor maybe from generations of parents who aren't working you know instead of following that exact same uh, pattern you know because it is something that you get into a bit of a pattern if your parents don't work you're Absolutely. probably less likely generational to work. generational welfare, yeah. yeah so it was something to sort of break that now, my parents both work and worked, um, 
but yeah, it was definitely something that I think a lot of kids, it's an opportunity to be in the workforce. You sort of, you know, take pride in getting your check. You're, you know, you're getting up early, you're getting used to being in the job force. So mm-hmm. over, I don't think I was obviously political at 13 years old, right. but I definitely over time thought, man, that was such a great program. And to be able to do something that's not just a handout, but is, hey, we're going to help you work for a living and, and sort of break the this cycle of poverty or help to break that cycle of poverty. I said, man, that really put me over on the Democrat side. So it really became for me, and, and it's a bit of a stereotype now, but, you know, at one time the Democrats were very, you know, working class oriented sure. and, uh, you know, were sort of the, you sure. know. FDR was elected four times on the heels of Southern Democrats who were working people. You know, the, the uh, a lot of people don't realize the two parties have shifted. When I was a kid growing up in New Jersey, it was one Republican gover- governor after another. Jersey was a Republican state. Why? Because it's a wealthy state. Republicans were where the money was, right? The South was solidly Democratic. Even in 1988, when I moved to Kentucky, it was still largely Democratic. There's a lot of people who haven't voted for a Democrat in 20 years here that are still registered Democrats because the South was solidly Democratic. That's who elected FDR, hence the TVA and the works projects and all the electrification and all that. His payoff to the South voting for him was all those works programs that came all in the 30s and into the 40s, you know? Yeah. So I felt like, at least in my life, that that was, uh, man, Democrats were really taking taking an interest in poor folks and trying to build a bridge from these kids to be able to do better. So that sort of got me interested in that type of politics, you know, as I got older. And I said, I've never, I'm yet to see Republicans do something for poor people other than give them some scraps and then complain about the scraps they're getting. Well, I mean, Reagan did the earned income tax credit, which is enormous. I mean, well, tax credits are one thing, but to really do something that affected, you know, me personally at such a young age, I feel like that was... Yeah, that was something I've never that, seen you know, a Republican that's funny do. you say that, Trisden. That was always kind of my complaint with Limbaugh. May he rest in peace. I don't know if you saw Jason Sudeikis on SNL when, oh, he came, yeah. when he came out as the devil. Yeah. And he said, Jesus Christ, I had to get out of hell. That Rush Limbaugh is keeping me awake. <laughs> Son of a bitch never stops talking. That's, I mean, funny. that's a dig. Yeah. But I, you know, first of all, as somebody who myself worked in radio, had all the respect in the world for Rush because he made a bloody fortune in radio. And that's like three people. It's Rush Limbaugh, Paul Harvey, Casey Kasem. That's about it. Seriously. Yeah. That got filthy rich right. out of radio. There's not that many. But my problem with Limbaugh is, you know, I I am actually conservative in a lot of aspects of my life. Child rearing, finances, um, you know, the morality issues. I have no problem with conservatism, but I think the point you're making, a lot of times I didn't feel the heart. It was just beat people up until they submit. Why do you have to do that? Yeah, I, th- I think George Bush, senior, uh, uh, younger Bush, W, touched on it with compassionate conservatism. Right. Or maybe that was that even, was senior. Maybe that was senior. That was his yeah, dad, that yeah. was a. That's right. A thousand points of light. Right. To your point, they were sort of trying to make that compassionate conservatism, but the fact is, I'm not sure how well it played. It's a little bit of what Brandon was talking about in our last episode. Sometimes, you know, that whole macho take, you know, because, you know, Completely. a lot of your conservative friends have to be tough guys. Right. And, it, and I, it, it went from, you know, that compassionate conservative 
to now, yeah, it is more the, man, screw those people. Seems if, to be. And it's those, I'm making air quotes, screw those people. You know, if you're different than us as a Republican, screw you. And to me, Tristan, that's what I always found a little distasteful about it. As I said, conservative principles, I don't really have a problem with. There's nothing, you know, I, most of my life is conservative. I've been married 33 years. I'm a father of two kids who mean more to me than anything else. Um that has been what my life has. Get up, go to work every day. I guess the only box I don't check is I don't go to church every Sunday. But other than that, my life is a conservative life. I try to treat people with respect regardless of who they are. I ask the same in return. That's a really pretty conservative life. But where I sort of jump off the bus is when it's those social issues that conservatives just don't seem to be on board with you with. And it's kind of across the board. It's how they treat minorities, how or how minorities get treated, how the poor get treated, how, you know, the list gets pretty long. Now, I suppose in defense they would say, you know, there's no social program ever invented that's as good as a job, and that's what we would like to see. And I get that. That makes perfect sense to me. I, I agree with that. But where are they back in those kind of programs that you just – Describe. Yes. They don't seem to. Where is that? If you can show me where it is, then great. I'm on board. I just don't see it. Well, and it's sort of like healthcare. A Republican will tell you we're all for good healthcare, but then you know I don't recall in but my then they lifetime that then they try and get rid of Obamacare seventeen times. And yeah, and, and I, one of the things with Trump, we heard several. Oh, I've got the best healthcare plan. Two weeks, you're going to hear this the greatest healthcare plan that you've ever heard. Maybe you went four years. We never, you never hear what the Republican healthcare plan is. Never really and, did. And, and give me we an know, opportunity as somebody who we know what they're against. We just right. don't know what they're for. Right. And that's a problem. Yeah. So, so what got you into politics? Ironically, not my dad. My dad was not a political person. Mom, mom was mom was a political person. She, you know, talked it in the house, and we had discussions. And I think, you know, and I don't know that there's any incident. I don't have a story like you told. I just, as I got older, I guess it became a hobby, which is what I would describe it as. You know, could I have made a living in politics? Possibly, but it's sort of a hobby that I enjoy. Now, I I will say, I think where I'm different than maybe a lot of my fellow countrymen, which is unfortunate, is I don't think. Washington, D.C. or Frankfurt is filled with people who are just miserable and want to stick it to you and want to feather their nest. I think there's a lot of noble people who get into this profession for the reason of making things better. I don't think they're all out, and this is on both sides, I don't think they're all out just to take money from you, but golly, the notion of politicians amongst most Americans now is just they are lower than dirt, man. Yeah. And I think that is sad because to to your point, I think people more often than not get into politics to try and do some good, you know, both parties. So yeah, absolutely. I think so. And I think a lot of them do. I mean, there's, you know, it's, it's, it's the old story. You get categorized by the worst amongst you, but there are plenty of great people up there that are working on your behalf, you know, yeah. but we, it's just hard to look at that. It's much easier to look at the glass half empty than half full. Yeah, beating well, up politicians is like sport, you and, know? and people consistently shit on politicians. But and one of the things we all sort of agree on, like Republicans and Democrats, we would all vote for uh, term limits for Congress. But yet, some of those people just stay up there forever. See, and Tristan, are I able know. to That's, eventually right, get. But but dirty. here's something nobody's ever been able to explain to me. Now I understand that staying up there forever, you get a little bit set in your ways. But here's my counter to that. Take any profession, any profession in the world of radio, a a plumber, a doctor, any profession. 
it benefits from experience. That's true. Why is politics different than that? That's a fair point. That's always been my contention. You know, Mitch, I, I, I'm going to... I'm in a fair point here. I didn't vote for Amy McGrath. I didn't vote for McConnell, but I didn't vote for McGrath, largely because though my views might not line up with Mitch, I understand his power, Tristan. I'm yeah, a I'm a Kentucky a resident. Point. Am I going to put a, I don't even know how old she is, 45-year-old woman who's going to be on the very bottom? Now, I couldn't quite go to voting for Mitch, but my way of doing that was I just didn't vote for Amy, and I don't think I cast a vote for that Senate election because I, I figured he would win. And I understand what Mitch McConnell represents to the state of Kentucky. He's Probably the most powerful, second most powerful Republican in the country brings enormous amounts of, well, you could call it pork, but brings enormous amounts of money back to the state of Kentucky, which I am a 32-year resident of. That's a You want to replace him with somebody who's going to be at the bottom? I mean, that's the hard nose way of looking at it. I get all the social, pro, you know, the social aspects. So maybe that was a very selfish non-vote. But that's the way I rationalize that. I've definitely, and man, I don't know that I would argue that point because that's absolutely true. Because that's where the rubber meets the road, right? What, if you're a politician, how much can you bring back? Right, but what, is, what does Mitch McConnell's policy do to benefit mine and your life with that money? Oh well, I'm sure. I'm sure there's a long list that if he had to, he could. You know, he he could uh, defend that. I mean, there's well, a lot of its infrastructure. Ironically, as we fight that battle, roads and bridges and so forth. But no, I I do. I understand. I guess that is where term limits sort of what you could come back to, because politicians like Mitch McConnell become so big and popular that they're really not representing their constituents anymore, yeah. nor do they have to. They're on the national st- stage, yeah. the national scope. Yeah, well, no, that's fair. And since we're in Kentucky politics a little bit, man, Mitch McConnell, <laughs> you know, to somebody that's you know, the longest serving senator in history, He's maybe? up there, man. I'm not sure if he's, yeah, he's right there. Yeah. Yeah, but... Man, standing up to Trump a little bit. I don't know if he's sort of that. come back to. You know, at night, man, when he's with Elaine Chow, his wife, he he doesn't even want to see Trump run again. He's like, oh, this freaking jerk. But to your point, he can't say that publicly, which is kind yeah. of shameful. I mean, but that goes to the pragmatist that McConnell is. I mean, he is a wonderful politician. You could do worse. If you wanted to find out how to be a successful politician, you could certainly do worse than to study the career of Mitch McConnell. Now, I actually interviewed him back when I was working in local radio down at um, Bluegrass Army Depot when the nerve gas debate was ongoing. And he, you know, I mean, I'm some schlub from, you know, some radio station he's just being polite to. But I can he's just really, really skilled at only saying what he wants to say. Right. He He's not going to answer anything in a way that's going to be at all controversial, that's going to lead to an aha. He's really, really good at that. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, no, that's a great point. And that's, I guess, when we vote for uh, Mitch McConnell, you're asking yourself, like, what would be different with a brand new senator as opposed to somebody who literally wields that much power? And I think a lot of it is the candidate, you know, uh, again, the Election is going to be long over by the time this episode airs, but it is the day before Terry McAuliffe uh, may or may not be uh, voted back in as governor in Virginia. But some of that has to do with personality. Now, did you vote for McGrath? 
Yeah. And I I'm did, not here to shit on Amy sure. McGrath. Seems like a wonderful person, passes the neighbor test, but I didn't think she was a great candidate, right? So if you want to beat somebody who's powerful, you really got to come up with a great candidate. McAuliffe is in trouble as much because of who he is as where Virginia is. You know, and let's bring it right back to Mrs. Clinton. I always and that's liked the Hillary. Vir- Virginia governor's yeah, race. Yeah, the Virginia yeah. governor's race. I liked Hillary Clinton very much, but I understand how it was difficult to pull the lever for her. She was not the most enamoring of... Our husband was the greatest in our lifetime. Extremely charismatic, right. Uh, Just uh, the greatest, you know, so I say the greatest politician and people go, yeah, that's the problem, politician. Well, I don't, just said, I don't look at politicians as negative, but Bill Clinton was the best politician of my lifetime and that includes Reagan who was pretty damn good. Clinton was untouchable. His wife didn't have those skills and it hurt her. did, Did she not have the skills? And again, I don't want to sound like a liberal here, but... Was it that she wasn't? I mean, she was a great public speaker. She was fine. Yes, was she a bit robotic or what? You know, whatever. But man, was it just that she was a woman for a lot of people? Well, now my daughter will tell you that. My daughter will say this, and and I think this is borne out by the fact that, and it was razor thin, but it was like fifty two to forty eight that women voted for Trump. And here's Brielle's take on that. Brielle's take on that is that Hillary wasn't womanly air quotes enough for some women what does that mean well she didn't seem like the neighbor who was going to come over with the chocolate chip cookies to welcome you to the neighborhood she didn't seem really over nurturing and that women themselves were like eh, i don't really like her now i think that a lot of those women had regrets because i talk all the no seriously i no, talk I, I talk I, all the time about white suburban women that's actually who got trump elected in 2016 women outside madison wisconsin the state that he won, women outside Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, state that he won, women outside, you know, Phoenix, Arizona, white suburban women who didn't vote for him in 2020, Tristan, because right. they said, no, oh, shit, I did that once. I'm not doing it twice. Yeah. Because look, when you look at Americans, America's electorate, you and I are huge minorities. Right. In that we're white guys in Kentucky who voted, I'm going to assume, I, I'll tell you my votes and I assume you're with me, Obama, Obama, Hillary Clinton. Right. Well, okay. I, di- I didn't vote for Hillary. Okay. In the but same I way, I would have, but Mitch. I was out of town. Okay. Yeah. Oh, there's absentee ballots. Well, I didn't know my mom was going to die of cancer in that fact. week. So. Oh, well, that's yeah. a little different. So you were preoccupied. Correct. Okay. Oh, is that right? That yeah. Week. Unfortunate. Yeah. So, uh, okay. But um, speaking for myself then, to be a white guy in Kentucky voting Obama, Obama, Hillary Clinton, I bet you I'm not one in 10. Right. White guys in Kentucky. Oh yeah, who no, voted completely that way. a huge minority. Sure. Yeah, but so you know how white guys are going to vote. They're going to vote for the Republican, right? You know how minorities largely are going to vote. And I don't mean to stereotype. I'm just looking at the facts. The numbers, an actuarial. That's a number table. situation, yeah. right? White guys are going to vote overwhelmingly for the Republican, probably sixty-five to seventy percent. Right. Minorities are going to vote overwhelmingly for the Democrat. In the case of African Americans, eighty-five, ninety percent. Hispanics. 55. Yeah. So those votes are kind of given. So who does that leave? That leaves white suburban women, white women, but largely suburban. And they make up a huge, you know, around those cities, that's a huge number. And they won the 2018 election, making Pelosi speaker, and they won it for Biden. Now, what they do going forward, you know. That's a, that's a question mark. But that's really, if you want to, you know, diagnose it the way Steve Kornacki does, you got to look at white suburban women in America because they're the one little question mark. They put Trump in in 2016, didn't put him in in 2020 because wow. they'd had enough of his shit. Yeah. And one of the things that I find fascinating, you know, and, and this is you and I talking in a semi-public forum, 
Man, I've talked to so many women privately that will sort of pull the, man, I'm not voting for a woman president. I don't feel comfortable with a woman president. And that's, you know, that's women saying that's that. That's kind of Brielle's point. That's my daughter's yeah. point. So you do hear a lot of women that are uncomfortable with other women. And that really cost Hillary at the right? end of the day. She yeah. lost suburban white women 52 to 48. If that's even 50-50, she wins that election. Yeah, she she gets that. That's it, you know, because I think I think Wisconsin was seventeen thousand votes, Pennsylvania was seventy thousand votes. I mean, these are tiny, tiny numbers. Yeah. Man, that Trump got in on. So t- since uh, on the heels of how how Trump was elected, I saw a pretty great interview this week. I don't know if you've seen it yet. I'm going to assume you haven't. Sean Spicer, which I think was Trump's oh, first. Oh, with Mar? Yeah, with with Mar. <laughs> and here's something that I think. He was his first press secretary. Press secretary, yes. So one of the things And that looked great on Dancing on the Stars. He was a fancy in tights, a fancy <laughs> lad in his tights. So one of the things that I was fascinated by was Marr really took him to task on Trump continuing to spread this lie that he won the election. You know, we, we did a recount in Arizona, and, and Marr said, look, at the end of the night, you know he didn't win. You know he didn't win it's, and this it's election. And it's just so Effing dangerous, man. Yeah. You so, just, I mean, it, it's a frontal assault on America's constitution and America's institutions. And I don't care. My most ardent conservative friend cannot defend that, Tris. Then you have to stand up and say, stop, asshole. You have to stop now. You can't do this anymore because you're running the risk of ending America's democracy. Right. You can't stop. You can't continue to say that. So back to Mitch. These, it's because it's not up to you and me. It's up to Ted Cruz, that fat jack leg. It's up to Mitch McConnell. Piece of it's, shit it's is up, what you were looking It's up for. to Lindsey Graham who have to say, Donald, you have to stop doing that. So, and yes, I think we are in agreement with that. Spicer's answer to that, to Mar, who again was really pressing him on the issue, was basically what he came up with was a lot of states changed the rules for COVID. Essentially, his answer was, and it wasn't normal, so it created an opportunity for cheating. So I guess my question to you is, and you do a pretty good side, maybe better than me, of seeing sort of both sides, the conservative side of these arguments. Is that fair to say because we had uh, mail-in voting during a national pandemic does that somehow sway the odds and open up for cheating that we've not been able to prove? I think maybe in November and maybe even before the 20th of January, the inauguration day. And and so, yeah, possibly there was that. But Trisda, now we have 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 had audits in states like Arizona where the auditors themselves were favorable to Trump and they haven't found it. So at this point, almost a year from the 2020 election, no, it's time to stop. You can't keep doing that, Mr. Trump, because it's not a about you now. It's about the country because it is a frontal assault on America's constitution and, why do, why is and the, institutions. Agreed. Why is the assumption that because we would go to mail-in voting for a pandemic that that would somehow lean Democrat? Like, why wouldn't it help all the people in nursing homes that can't get out to vote that are sending in these Republican ballots in all these rural places? Well, like, I Why think, do we all assume because Trump lost that the assumption is? Well, I that- think there was some mistrust on the part of Republicans even prior to that election because of that back to where we were before, you know, by and large, if you just look at the two movements, liberal conservative, Democratic, Republican, which I, Democratic, I love that little Democrat, the Democrat party. To me, that's a shot. And maybe it's just a little 
personal pet peeve of mine, but I think Limbaugh started that. Never said the Democratic Party. I always said the Democrat Party. Just should piss me off. Nice. It's a little just pet peeve. But Democrats trust the government more than Republicans, yes? Yeah, I would think. You're right. Yeah, that's fair. So that is where that stemmed from. So Republicans were thinking, oh, man, if I put my uh, ballot into a mailbox, it's never going to get there. So I got to go to the poll and show up. So I think that was part of part of that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, maybe. But also, and, and let's be real, I think it, you, we've both got a lot of pretty far right-wing friends. I sure. think in a candid moment, they'll tell you the more people vote, the worse it is for us. So the more people we keep from voting, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't help Republicans. That's so a- there, there is a reason why they're trying to be more restrictive in voting laws and Democrats are trying to be – you know, less restrictive with voting laws. Because again, more people tend to be progressive than conservative. That is, you think? Yes, by nature. In terms of progress, meaning change and change for the better. Okay, so I mean, so then you could get into another show and we promised uh, we were going to wrap this one up because we do need to go back to work, but that's another great show. So... Is that whole Make America Great Again movement a return back to something that these people are just hanging on to with white knuckles, you know, hanging from the window, just they don't want to let it go. But And this is the internet age, Ray. I mean, what we're going to – I mean, if – and this isn't a Democrat or Republican talking point or – but just like we talked about last week with restaurants, they're going to go to automation. Yeah. At a certain point, we're going to be able to vote online just right. because it just makes so it much d- more sense right. to just click three times and be done. Now, But that point about when less people vote, Republicans do better is really a um, just so charged with so much. But I'd love to have a conservative here who could explain to me how that isn't the case, because by and large, I think you are correct. And if you look at that kind of purple demographic that's happening in places like Texas and Georgia, you know, if Republicans lose Texas, they're not going to win a presidential election forever, right? And that Hispanic influx is not 100% guaranteed. It's not like African-Americans that are going 90-10. Right. No, it is much closer. It's much closer, but it does lean Democratic. So, I mean, so then your point would be Republicans are doing what they can to make it much more difficult for those people to vote? Yeah. No, I think that's exactly what you're saying. Yeah, and and I don't know, man. I hope it's not. I like to think I'm on the side of more people voting because it seems like you know we should That's all what be you able should to want, vote, right? You should, you should I want feel the like maximum number of people to vote, right? But there seem to be some people who don't want that. Yeah, and even if these, and again, you know, not to you know, virtue signal or whatever, but again, I feel like I want. I feel like everybody should vote. Sure. You know, and if my side doesn't win, my letter doesn't win, then, you know, again, you go back to the drawing board and you try it again in four years. But again, you're at least getting the will of the people. And that's a point you make a lot. And I think it's a really fair point. And I've heard you make it not as many times as you make grown up poor, but you've made it a lot. I mentioned that I grew up poor. You make the case that- I do wish I still had food stamps. In some some ways, well, now, man, it's, you know, it's, I don't want to, now that's getting too long. We can do that another time. But uh, let me say this. Uh, I think you make a great point when you say, look, you're not going to win them all. You you know, you grew up an athlete. I grew up an athlete. We love sports. And you understand you're just not going to win all the time. It's not. You know, you're just, it's not going to happen. Okay. Unless you're Tom Brady. Um, but even he, uh, 
does periodically lose. Yes, yeah. but you okay? So you lost. You look at your loss. Why did you lose? And you come back in the next election. And you hope to do better. But these people just seem not to be able to accept that. And obviously Trump didn't. Right, the supreme leader, he can't accept the loss. And and it's so much of it deals with his ego. And people say, well, Hillary Clinton. I, my sister will say, well, Hillary Clinton never conceded. Yes, she did. She conceded she the next concede. god darn day in her purple outfit. Let she it out, conceded. Ray. Let out the cuss words, man. She, why are you? Why are you tucking them in still? She conceded the next day. So you got me cussing and you're not cussing. No, I cuss a little bit. All right. Well, I've worked in radio for a long yeah. time. The no, the, the first time I heard a Republican tell me that, that Hillary didn't concede, I was like, holy shit, I'm going to check on that because if she didn't, that's she a pretty big deal. The next day. You jump on YouTube, there's, a, you know, she was, she immediately conceded. She was there As, with, um, with her husband and um, the senator from... New Jersey, from New Jersey, the senator from Tim Kaine, who she ran with. The three of them were right. on stage the day after. Now, she was brokenhearted, and she wasn't like, it's great for America that, you know, Donald Trump, I wish him all the best. No, she didn't do that, but she said, I lost, the country needs to go on. Much like Al Gore in 2000. Right. One of the most gracious, gracious speeches in American political history was Gore's concession to Bush in 2000, which he didn't have to do. They could have kept fighting. They could have. The Supreme Court, he could have, you know, tried to... But it was, yeah, I, and, I mean. And there, man, and again, I hate to be like this because it does seem like I consistently pat these Democrats on the back. And, and, and I'm not as fair, not fair, but I'm not as complimentary to Republicans. But, man, what Al Gore did for the good of the country back in 2000, you know, and, and comparing that to how Trump has handled post-election, I think there couldn't be Just more. Night and day. There couldn't be more of a polar opposite no. in human being. Or to me, to me, being a patriot is caring about your country over yourself, over your party. Never going to get that out of Trump. There is a point where Al Gore did that, and, and Trump is never going to do and that. And Trisden, you know, they can say, as some do on Facebook, that we don't treat Republicans fairly, you and I, Trisden and Ray, on extreme common sense. Okay, fine. Then come in here. One of you folks, let Tr Trisden know via Facebook that you want to come in and defend Trump on this, because I'm all ears when it comes to it. But I agree with what you just said. When there's a frontal assault, on the institutions and constitution of the country that we love and the real chance that you could be seeing the end of democracy, I think Republicans have to stand up and say, you got to stop this. And I don't see him doing it. Because I just don't see him doing it, man. Whether it's Mitch and Lindsay or friends of ours. And even the ones that on January 6th were vocal that stood up and said, okay, you know, Lindsey Graham famously stood yeah, up and said, yeah, it's time to move on. He lost. Yeah. And then a week later when they realized they didn't have public support exactly. for the truth, they started backing up. Absolutely oh, well, right. okay. McConnell, maybe. the same damn thing. Oh McConnell stood on the Senate floor and talked about how the president needed to pay a, a a price for what happened on January 6th. Now he says, well, it's not about that anymore. It's about the Biden administration. Bullshit, Mitch. See, I said bullshit. Nice job. It, it is about that because why is it still about that? Because he's not a doting old man tending to his garden who's a retired president. All indications are he wants to do this shit again, is it right. not? And what happens when he, you know— Here's the thing, right? The first question Donald Trump is going to ask his potential vice presidents is, no matter what happens on January 6, 2024, if I say that I won, what are you going to do when you're in there to certify the election and count? that's the danger. And you guarantee that he's not going to bring somebody into that campaign that doesn't say, boss, whatever you tell me to do. I promise you that. And the thing that seems to be happening is in states that were razor thin, like Georgia and Pennsylvania, is the Republican side is sort of winnowing out 
the people who stood up, the biggest face is that Brad Raffensperger, who was on Meet the Press yesterday, Georgia Secretary of State, voted twice for Trump right. by his own admission, yeah. but realized it was bullshit what was happening and stood up and it got the phone call where Trump said, can't you find, you know, all that stuff? And yeah. now he's Find the votes for me, basically. Yeah, yes. Well, he's been being drummed out, of course, yeah. which is another thing. Liz Cheney, that is oh, rock-ribbed Republican. That is as conservative as you get. I mean, the, the, the pedigree for being a Republican is no stronger than the Cheney family. It's just not. Right. She's being drummed out. Why? Because, because she had the audacity yeah. to say, Mr. President, what you're doing is not right and shouldn't be happening. Right. It, and it is now a party of Trump as opposed to a party of Republicans. So here we go with another free fall, and it's a free form show, and it's literally all about Trump. God, well, I well, still say if we golfed with him, we'd have fun. Yeah, that may be true. Hey, so uh, I guess before we get too far along in the show here, which I guess we are pretty far along in the show, yeah, we do we need, need to, to thank up. our sponsor. Oh, you're right. So yeah. we can finish with the sponsor. There we go. So, so we have another sponsor today. Got a sponsor here, Ray. So since, again, we're Excellent. a little bit new to the podcast game, we don't have any sponsors yet, although this would be the place for your commercial if you would like it to be. And before we finish hiring our sales staff, and of course, as Ray knows, these interviews are ongoing, we want to use this time to pick a small independent business at random and give them a free plug. This week, our talent booking assistant, Lloyd, found a little web-based business we can hopefully take to new heights, and he wrote up a commercial that I will read right now. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, are you sick of scouring all the local stores for a product, out of stock at the big box stores and can't find it at the local general store? Well, check out this business that offers discounted products shipped right to your door and fast. Amazon.com. Just like the river in South America. Guys, when you need a product like a new coffee mug or a lamp, check out Amazon.com. Friends, as you listen to our podcast, remember to patronize small local mom and pop businesses like Amazon.com. Have you heard about this place? No, man. So I can get things and they just come to my house? Right. So if you need a new podcasting microphone or a cool new hat, it's just Amazon.com. And they'll you, you, you click, you pay with your credit card, ships right to your door. I'm going to check it out. I, You're going to like it. Any idea how the person that founded it's done? No word, but I'm sure it's a quick Wikipedia search away. You know, actually, you know what? I might have read something like he started in a garage. Really? Yeah, so maybe, you know, maybe he's never, who knows? He might still be just barely making it. Probably toiling away in that garage, I would imagine. Could be. Definitely not uh, shipping in a penis-shaped rocket to outer space almost weekly. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know anything about that. All right, so yeah, folks, if you want your commercial read Please. there in place of these freebies Please. that were given away to these mom and pops. And also, any conservative friend of ours who's out there, come on in and defend what Trump's doing. I'll certainly give you the forum. We we'll give you the, we really we'll give you the forum it. to do it. But we should see, do a big live show. I, yeah. I just I don't want to give my hand away here. I just don't think there's any defense. You know, as I said, questioning it right after the election, that's fair. Man, let the authorities look at it sure. right up. Until, but now, that's what a year the courts later, are for. Yeah, that's, that's what the courts are for. Checks and balances. And, and they went to the courts and things were checked out. Now you just got to stop. Man, now you just got to stop. Now it's just doing nothing but edging us. And again, you hope this is hyperbole, but well, it just feels like it's edging closer to a civil war. It does. And it also, uh, uh, sort of on the same point but different, it also allows the lefties, the Rachel Maddows, the Chris Hayes, to just continue to beat you up. Right. It, you're giving them the ammunition to beat you up with. Yeah. And they're not, not going to do it. And again, I think, you know, to our credit, we vote a certain way. 
we're not against evidence that says that our party could have some bad apples Absolutely. that cheated. We would not be the guys that would say, oh, I'm sticking with my party over these cheaters. Right. Look, if there's proof that there, there was something went on, you and I would have certainly, certainly been open to that and, right. and, and should be handled accordingly. But again, people much smarter than us looked at this in courtrooms all across America in every swing state, and they all came up with the same thing. Same thing. It was as close of a correct vote as possible. And when they redid the, the vote in Arizona with a partisan group that leaned right, they found more votes for Biden. They did. So again, man, look, I want your team to win if they win. I want our team to win if they win. I just want it to be fair. Yeah. But, and and check it out. You know, I have no problem with a recount. There's a reason we have these systems in place. But at this point, almost a year later, man, it's got to go. It's got to stop. It just has to stop, much like our show today. So, <laughs> unfortunately, folks. yeah. How about uh, how about all of our friends that help out? Yep. Uh, th- our guests that come in here periodically. Thanks to Troy, who uh, who has to listen to these and and, and edit. Um, although he doesn't <laughs> edit much, but uh, we we don't need him to. But he he certainly helps out, and he's a great great asset. Indeed, uh, Nate at Stoveleg Media, um, Front Porch Studios here where we record. Ray, thanks to you. Thank you, brother. Yeah, man. Good seeing you. See you next week. And check us out on Facebook, yes? Yes, please check us out on Facebook or, you know, anywhere you can find us. Trisden and Ray. and Ray. D-O-N. Extreme Common Sense. Yeah, like us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere you listen. If you take the time to shoot us a review, preferably positive, we'd sure appreciate it. Yeah, and if it's not positive, we'd take that criticism well, too. Yeah, we're pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Extreme Common Sense with Tristan and Ray. We hope you had fun and look forward to taking on another topic next week.